Hey guys, welcome to the very first episode of the Egomaniac Movies Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ego. Been wanting to do this podcast for a really long time now, and I'm super excited I'm finally getting around to doing it. Uh, I wanted to do a topic that made sense for a first show, so I'm going to do my top my top 10 most anticipated movies for 2018. Now, I wanted to do... I wanted to do all movies that haven't come out yet. So I took Black Panther off my list. It was on my list. I'm late to doing this list. A lot later than everyone else. Um, so I took Black Panther off my list because it has come out. It was on the list. It's not now. I had to do some changes. But uh, I, I still am happy with the list despite Black Panther being off it. So now that we got that out of the way, just a quick FYI. This episode might not have intro music on it. Uh, it, it may or may not. I, I want to get it up tonight, so it probably won't. But my next episode should have intro music on it. Just letting you guys know that. Now, I want to start every show with a movie recommendation. Maybe something I've seen recently. Maybe something I saw a long time ago. Maybe something that I think is underseen. Uh, j- just, you know, a, a movie recommendation to start the show. Today I have two. And the first one is a Netflix original. It came out on Netflix about, I, I think, three weeks ago, maybe a month ago. And it's A Futile and Stupid Gesture. It's directed by David Wayne, who did Wet Hot American Summer. And my personal favorite from him is Role Models. I think that movie's incredibly underrated and hilarious. Paul Rudd, Sean William Scott. But yeah, it's directed by David Wayne. Starring Will Forte as Doug Kenny and Domhnall Gleeson as Henry Beard. And the story's based around Doug Kenny, but Henry Beard as well. And these guys were schoolmates at Harvard... And they created National Lampoon Magazine, which turned into, obviously, uh, National Lampoon Radio and their live show, I'm pretty sure it was called Lemmings, and uh, which Lorne Michaels got a lot of the original Saturday Night Live cast from, which I didn't know. Um, and, and, you know, National Lampoon, Christmas Vacation, Vacation, all the vacations for that matter, Animal House, Caddyshack, like National Lampoon is legendary and it's still a household name. And these guys created it. And it's a story I didn't know. I didn't know the ins and outs of that story. And if you're a comedy nerd or an SNL nerd or anything like me, I highly recommend this movie. Will Forte is outstanding as Doug Kenny. Domhnall Gleeson's good, too. Uh, Emmy Rossum is in it. She plays Catherine Walker. Uh, She's really good. If you know her from Shameless, uh, Fiona, she's great. She should win the Emmy every year. But, yeah, definitely check this one out. The standout in this movie... And I'm not going to spoil too much of the movie, but there's a lot of like uh, portrayals of SNL cast members and things like that in this movie. Like, there's a guy who plays Bill Murray. There's a guy who plays John Belushi. There's a guy who plays Rodney Dangerfield. Um, and and they're all good. The the girl who played Gilda Radner, she's a very small part, but she did really good, I thought. But Joel McHale as Chevy Chase was a big time standout for me. I thought he captured a young Chevy Chase. Just it, it was crazy good and really funny, and he just tackled the physical comedy pretty well. But he, he really tackled the sarcasm well. He tackled that early Chevy Chase humor really well, I thought. And he worked with Chevy Chase on Community, so I mean, he must have picked up something from him there, some mannerisms and things like that. But yeah, Joel McHale, huge standout in this movie for me. If you haven't seen it, check it out. A futile and stupid gesture. It's on Netflix really enjoyed it some I I read a couple reviews on it and and, you know let's get this out of the way movies are subjective no two people are going to agree on a movie hardly ever but but these people wrote a review 
and, and they both of them said this movie's about an addict and addicts are boring and i you know everyone's entitled to their opinion but i totally disagree i i don't think this movie's about an addict at all he does suffer from some addiction problems but that's not what it's about it's it's a lot deeper than that uh give it a chance don't if you're going to read that review and not watch it reconsider because it it's definitely worth a watch especially like i said if you're a comedy nerd or anything like that or a fan of will forte or david wayne uh so yeah i that was my first movie recommendation i wanted to do one more because i saw a movie i was really late to seeing it it came out and i i think november or december i saw it two nights ago at the theater and that is the greatest showman directed by michael gracie starring hugh jackman michelle williams zach efron zendaya a whole bunch of people now, this is a fun movie. I'm fairly new to musicals. Uh, I, I like your basic musicals, Singing in the Rain. I like La La Land. They're new to me. A lot of people had a, some beef with this movie, but I disagree totally with the main beef people had, and that is that they said, oh, well, P.T. Barnum was a bad guy. And I'm the first to admit, I don't know shit about P.T. Barnum. I have no idea what he was like. And to me, this movie, it, it's kind of hard for a musical to be a biopic. And it's not a biopic. Hugh Jackman said that in an interview I listened to the other day. This is not a biopic. And, you know, if P.T. Barnum, if all that's involved in the movie involving him is his name, I mean, I, I can let that go. I know people have problems with the circus because of the animal cruelty and stuff. Well, this movie, to me, is a perfect way to enjoy the circus because there is no live animals in it. I'm pretty sure every animal in the movie is CGI. And it's a it's a fun musical, and, and a lot of people, their beef with it as well is that it relies too much on the music. Now, that that seems kind of redundant to me. It's a musical. It relies on the music, and the music is good. That's saying more than some musicals. You know, the music is good. It relies on it. It, it worked for me. I thought it was fun. Uh, it wasn't too long. It's an hour and 45 minutes, give or take. And yeah, I, I dug it. I, I really thought uh, there was some stunning imagery in it. Uh, I really liked some of the choreography. It was good. Some of the tunes were really good. Uh, that's another beef people have with it, is that it's a period piece, but the music is modern. And now, I I, I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think that's a big deal. I don't think that's a problem. I think it's kind of interesting, actually. If you, if this had been a... If, if they had have used music from the 1800s, this movie wouldn't have worked at all, I don't think. It's the modern music that saved it, really. So, yeah. I, I, I think it's worth a watch. The Greatest Showman. I, I wanted to fit it in there as a movie recommendation. Maybe wait till it's... Maybe wait till it's on a streaming service or something like that. I, I wouldn't recommend running to the theater and seeing it, but I wasn't mad I paid full price to see it. Go see it on cheap night. I don't know. So yeah, that's my last movie recommendation, and let's get into the list. First, I got some honorable mentions. Now, typically, this list is hard for me to make. It's hard for me to fit everything in I want to. But this year, it wasn't. It wasn't hard for me to kick some stuff out. My top 10 was fairly easy to make. Now, that being said, I took Black Panther out because I wanted to do movies that haven't come out yet. Black Panther came out yesterday. So I, I took that out. I rearranged my list. It was in there, but it's not anymore. Just FYI. 
So yeah, let's get into the honorable mentions. Like I said, it wasn't hard to kick these out for one reason or another. And the first is Tomb Raider. It wasn't hard to kick this one out because it's a video game movie and we know how shitty those can be and how shitty they have been. Uh, I don't know much about the director, but it did make the honorable mentions because I do like the cast. I like Alicia Vikander as Lara Croft. Lara Croft, sorry. I think that's I think that was a good casting decision. Uh, she, she's got a great look for the character. And, and I think if any video game movie, and we've said this a hundred million times, if any video game movie has good movie story potential, it's Tomb Raider. It could have a female Indiana Jones vibe happening, and I'm hoping it does. Uh, not, not saying it should be Indiana Jones, but you, you know what? You get my, you get my drift. It could be like that, a female-led adventure story. And we don't have enough adventure movies these days. So I think that it could work on that level. Uh, Walton Goggins is in it. And by the looks of the trailers, the trailer's been okay. That's why it's in the honorable mentions as well. The trailers have been just okay for me. Uh, Walton Goggins is in it. And he's, uh, he's, I know him from some Quentin Tarantino stuff, mainly from Hateful Eight. He's in a a shit ton of stuff, and I think he's really good. He was really good in The Hateful Eight. I didn't like The Hateful Eight, but he was really good in it. Uh, But, you know, if he's in your stereotypical villain role, it it should be okay. I'm sure he'll be okay. But when you got a villain like that, you know, in some of these superhero movies, it's the same type of thing. They hire these fantastic actors, and they don't really get to show what they can do because the character has zero depth. But I hope I'm hoping for a bit more than that in this movie. But uh, yeah, didn't make the list. Came close though. Uh, the next one on my honorable mentions is Goosebumps Two, the sequel to uh, I, th- I think it was in 2016. 2016, uh, uh, yeah, October 2016, Goosebumps, the first one with Jack Black, Dylan Minnette, I believe Rob Letterman directed, and that was a fun movie. Not enough people saw that movie. It was a lot of fun. Now, I grew up with Goosebumps. I read the books. I watched the TV series. Uh, and it was good. It was scary in, in my youth. And, and that's that's the only problem, actually, I had with the first movie was that it didn't really integrate certain characters enough, in my opinion. It didn't really utilize the Goosebumps universe as well as it could have. And I'm hoping they fix that in the second one. Uh, it, it didn't make the list for obvious reasons. It's it's Goosebumps too. I'm hoping it's just a fun horror comedy, not so much horror, but maybe for kids. But I'm I'm just hoping it's a fun comedy with Jack Black. I'm hoping he returns. I think Rob Letterman's directing again. And uh, yeah, the first one was a really well paced movie as well, and, and I love that. I love walking out of a theater and thinking like, wow, I w- I was sitting in there for like 45 minutes. It seemed like I love that. I hate it when I walk out of a movie and it feels like I've been sitting in there for six hours. Talking to you, Hunger Games, Mockingjay, parts one and two. Uh, so yeah, Goosebumps 2. Didn't make the list, made the honorable mentions. Next one, Mary Poppins Returns. Now this one was easy to keep off the list. The reason it's on the honorable mentions is because I think I think we need a reimagination of this character. Because the first movie has aged. And that's not an insult. Every movie, in my opinion, pre-1970 has aged a little bit. doesn't mean they're not great, but it does mean they've aged. And that one's no different. 
uh, kids of today, they might watch that and think, uh, yeah, this is lame. In my opinion, it's not lame. I don't love Mary Poppins, but I do like it. When people say it's a Walt Disney masterpiece, I don't disagree. Uh, I do think it has its merits for sure. It was way ahead of its time, and the performances were really good. So, yeah, Mary Poppins Returns. I think Emily Blunt was a really good casting decision, a no-brainer, actually. I think she'll capture the spirit that Julie Andrews did in the original for sure. Uh, I know Lin-Manuel Miranda is in it, and the promotional stuff, it looks like he's playing a Burt-type character. I, I don't know if this is a reboot or a reimagination or a remake or what it is. But I'm assuming Lin-Manuel Miranda, being in it, has something to do with the music. And after Moana, I'm down with that guy. He can be in anything. That's cool with me. Uh, So yeah, Mary Poppins Returns. Didn't make the list. The next one is Bohemian Rhapsody. Now, when this movie was announced, if it had come out that year, and it was announced a long time ago, if it had come out that year, it would have made my top ten list. But it doesn't have the original man playing... Freddie Mercury, the original guy was Satcher Baron Cohen, which gets me to my point as to why it didn't make my top 10 most anticipated list of 2018. And that's almost indefinitely because of what his he said on Howard Stern. Satcher Baron Cohen, I mean. What he said was, and I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember the exact quote, but he said something along the lines of, I was reading the script... And I go up to the producers and writers and I say, what the fuck? Freddie Mercury dies halfway through the movie. And they said, well, yeah, it's a Queen movie. And I, and I guess he was kind of, you know, I didn't sign up to do a Queen movie. I signed up for a Freddie Mercury movie. And, you know, classic um, creative differences. It didn't work out. He left the film. And I totally agree with him. I don't think the audience wants to see a Queen movie unless you're a huge Queen fan. We know a lot about Queen. We don't know a lot about Freddie Mercury. He, for as big as Queen are, still are, and were when he was the lead singer of the band, he managed to stay out of the spotlight. And, you know, some of the stories, like, he was a really eccentric guy. A strange dude, but interesting. And that's what I wanted to see. I wanted them to capture that, the the eccentricities. And I think Sasha Baron Cohen would have done that perfectly. I think he would have gotten so into the character that uh, you would have thought you were watching Freddie Mercury on that screen. 100%. You would have been in. And, you know, that's not to say Rami Malek isn't going to do a good job. He looks good as Freddie in the pictures I've seen. We haven't seen a trailer. Apparently, Mike Myers is in this movie, which I like as a Canadian. I love it. Uh, You know, we'll see. I got high hopes for this movie, but it didn't make the list. The next one is The Meg. Now, you only need to say a couple of things about this movie to get on board with it. It's about a 50-foot shark, and Jason Statham plays a marine biologist. I mean, (laughs) if that doesn't get you into the movie, I'm not sure what will. Now, I I read an article in Empire Magazine about this movie, and it seemed like everyone involved knew what they were getting into. They know not to take it too seriously which is a, such good news in my opinion. If they if this movie is self-aware of what it is, you know, being about a 50-foot shark and all, and Jason Statham starring as a marine biologist, if they don't take it too seriously, which they shouldn't, I think it'll be a lot of fun. 
I think it'll be a ton of fun. And we haven't had a good shark movie since, well, Jaws, <laughs> in reality. I mean, The Shallows was certified fresh, and that movie was pathetic, in my opinion. I, I mean, there was nothing wrong with the performances. Blake Lively was fine. There was, like, three other people in the movie. They were fine, I guess. But that movie was terrible. That movie was just a classic B-movie wishing so desperately it was an A-movie. And it, it didn't work for me anyways. I mean, obviously critics liked it. I don't know why. Must have slipped through their fingers or something. I cannot stand that movie. 47 Meters Down, same thing. Way too serious. And just foolish. Dumb. And not scary. I mean, yeah, what what more can you say? So I'm, I got high hopes for the Meg. Maybe it can bring a, Maybe it can bring us a shark movie. Finally, one that's at least entertaining since, you know, Deep Blue Sea. At least that movie was entertaining. It wasn't a great movie, but it was entertaining. So, yeah. I mean, not the highest hopes for the Meg, but uh, I th- I think it'll be fun if, it, like I said, if it's a self-aware movie. Now, the next one on my list is A Wrinkle in Time. And the reason this is an honorable mention is because the trailers are okay. The cast is great. You got Reese Witherspoon, Oprah... Uh, Mindy Kaling, Chris Pine. So the cast is good. Uh, the trailers were okay, like I said, and it's it's Disney. I mean, I think they've proven themselves. It's kind of hard to doubt anything they do now. They seem to know what they're doing. They're on the ball. So yeah, Wrinkle in Time, that's an honorable mention. And my last honorable mention, this made a lot of people's list, not mine, and that is... Deadpool 2. Now, this was the closest to making my list in the honorable mentions. And that's because Deadpool 1 was fantastic. I mean, Ryan Reynolds is that character. He's perfect. Uh, This time we got... I can't remember the kid's name, but he was the kid from Hunt for the Wilder People. If you haven't seen that movie, go out and watch it right now. It's unbelievable. Uh, But he's in it, which I like. Now, it's directed by David Leach who did John Wick, I think he did John Wick 2, and he did Atomic Blonde. And a lot of people were app- apprehensive about this uh, directing choice after Tim Miller, I-, I don't know exactly what happened there, but they creative differences, I'm sure they said, and Tim Miller's gone. And that's why I'm a little skeptical about this movie, because I really liked the vision Tim Miller had, and it seemed like it was his baby, and now it's not his anymore. That's a little bothersome, but a lot of people were apprehensive about David Leach, because they didn't like Atomic Blonde. Now, I actually didn't mind Atomic Blonde. I I thought it was actually quite good. A lot of people were saying, like, it it might as well just be a music video. And I could could see where they were coming from, for sure. I liked it. There was a little too many twists and turns for me. I was having a... My dumb brain was having a hard time keeping up with it. But I did like it. So, yeah, I'm excited for this movie, but not top 10 most anticipated excited. So, yeah, guys. That's my honorable mentions. Let's get into the juice, the cheese, the top 10 list. All right, number 10. This was a new addition after I removed Black Panther. Black Panther was a little bit higher up, so I had to rearrange. But number 10, coming out in April, is Rampage. Directed by Brad Payton, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Maylene Ackerman, and a bunch of other people. Now, I like the trailer. I like the trailer. I like the concept. I think this could be 
what Jumanji was last year, that could be this this year. And I like Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. I thought that was a crazy fun movie, which is all I need, it's, especially if it's starring The Rock. Because like, he's got comedy chops. He's got action chops. But I, when he's in an only action serious movie, I'm not, I'm not huge on it. I like it more when he's in the comedy action, like Jumanji. And I think this is going to be that. I like it. I like the giant gorilla. I like the giant wolf that flies. Like it just, It's so crazy. I think it could work. I think it will work. I'm looking forward to this movie a lot. Uh, I know Brad Payton directed him in San Andreas. San Andreas was, you know, uh, it was an okay disaster movie. That's all. That's pretty much how I can sum that movie up. It was an okay disaster movie. Uh, but this one I think is going to be a little more fun. A little more lighthearted and... Uh, Yeah, looking forward to it, guys. Rampage coming out in April. That's number 10. Number 9 is Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, coming out in November. Directed by David Yates, who I trust David Yates, especially when it comes to the Harry Potter universe. I know people were a little bit pissed off after The Legend of Tarzan, because that movie wasn't, you know, it, it it wasn't released to great critical response. But... You know, it, it really wasn't that bad. I, if that's if that's your flop, I'll take that any day. So yeah, I, I trust him. I think he directed the last uh, two, three, or four Harry Potters. I think I think three, maybe, maybe four. But yeah, we got Zoe Kravitz coming in as Lita Lestrange. I like Zoe Kravitz. I think she's doing good work. Um, I don't know how Lita Lestrange fits into the rest of the Lestrange family. I haven't really looked it up. Or the Black family, for that matter. Uh, I'm sure sure we'll find out. Now, to my knowledge, she's the former love of Newt Scamander, Eddie Redmayne's character. Uh, And now she's married to his brother. So I'm sure some drama will ensue in that regard. And you got Jude Law as a young Albus Dumbledore. I think Jude Law is one of the best actors in Hollywood. I love the casting because I think he's got... I, I actually think he's even got the look. And I'm sure he'll get the character right because he's Jude Law and he knows what he's doing. Uh, Dan Fogler is returning as Jacob Kowalski. I, I don't know how exactly how they're going to do that, but I'm fine with it because Dan Fogler's the man ever since I saw Fanboys. So, yeah, I, I mean, I really like what Ed, Eddie Redmayne did with Newt Scamander, the character Newt Scamander. Um, I, I thought the, fir- the first time I saw the movie in theaters... A lot of the characters felt pretty flat to me. I didn't really remember any of them other than Jacob and Newt. But this is a pattern with me you'll notice if you start listening to this podcast, which I hope you do, is that I often have to see a movie twice, especially if I was on the fence about it coming out of the theater, uh, at which I was. The first Fantastic Beast, I was really on the fence. I wasn't sure how I felt about the movie. I didn't really like it that much. I didn't think it was terrible. But I didn't really like it that much. So when the, the day it came out, I bought it on Blu-ray. And I loved it. I watched it that night and I loved it. I thought it really captured the magic of the Harry Potter universe. Like I, I always say to people my age, I'm 25. And I always say to people my age, like we were so lucky to grow up with that franchise, in my opinion. Like when, when we were kids, when Harry Potter first came out, the first one, we were roughly the same age as Harry. And we grew up with those characters as the movies came out. And, and I think we're really lucky to have that. Not a lot of people have that. We're one of the few generations, I think. Well, we're the only generation that has an eight-movie franchise that we got to grow up with. 
and that's that's pretty sweet in my opinion. Those movies mean a lot to me, and I was hoping Fantastic Beasts would too, and it didn't the first time, but it did the second time, like I said. I really enjoyed it the second time. None of the characters really felt flat. I like I liked Queenie, I liked Tina. Uh I, I liked all the characters. I mean everyone's apprehensive about Johnny Depp, and I'm one of the one of those people that's apprehensive as Grindelwald. Because Johnny Depp has played one character for the last ten years. And that's Captain Jack Sparrow. And I'm sick of it. I'm tired of seeing it. It's boring. I mean, that's why people aren't liking the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise for the last two movies. It's not because they're bad movies. They're just as good as the first three, in my opinion. They're just... They're tired of it. They're sick of it. They, they're tired of that quirkiness of, of Johnny Depp. And, you know, I, he's a talent. Hands down, he's a talented guy for sure. But we're just... I think he's getting... People are getting tired of him. And I hope he can come in and do something a little different with Grindelwald. It is a villain character, which we haven't seen him play in a while. So I like that. I mean, he, he's got... You know, J.K. Rowling's standing up. He, she's saying, I like the casting and all that. Every Everyone's backing him that's involved with the movie. So I'm in. I'm in. I mean... Hopefully he can do good. I'm I am excited for the movie. I mean it's my number nine. So yeah, that's my only really apprehension about the movie is Johnny Depp. But we'll see. I, I'm hoping he can he can take that character and do something good with it. We obviously don't know what he's gonna do with it because we didn't get a much of a look at him in the first one. I mean I guess I like his look. I guess he looks villainy. <laughs> you know, I we'll see. That's my number nine, guys. Number eight is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom coming out in June. Now, I'll get this out of the way in the first show. Jurassic Park is my favorite movie, bar none. Nothing even comes close. Jurassic Park is the best movie ever made, in my opinion. So yeah, that's why this is on the list. First and foremost, because it's got Jurassic in the title. Uh, Directed by J.A. Bayona. I'll say this about Jurassic World. I like Jurassic World. But I wasn't huge on Jurassic World. I thought it was a fun action movie. I don't think it nearly captured the drama that the first one did. And the second one for that matter. A lot of people hate on The Lost World. I think it's I think it's actually a great movie. When you got into the third one, that's when shit started to hit the fan. I do like the third movie. I don't I don't love it. I would give it a passing grade. Five and a half out of ten probably. It's not a good movie by any means, but I can watch it. Uh, but that's where we started to go wrong was Jurassic Park 3. And I think it's because there was a pattern to me, in my opinion. Jurassic Park, they were animals. They were just confused. They didn't know where they were. Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World, it was the same thing. They were in an environment they weren't familiar with. They were, you know, reacting to their surroundings. And that's that's all they were doing. Jurassic Park 3, they were monsters. And they were way too smart. Jurassic World, same thing. I think they just, they went overboard. They made everything way too smart. And that's where, I I mean, a lot of people, I'll give you the synopsis of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, to my knowledge of what it is. They built the park, when when they built the park, it was on a live volcano. 
Now the volcano's erupting. Claire, played by Bryce Dallas Howard, is trying to build a conservation team to get the animals out and save them. Now the original idea that people thought was going to be where this story went was that they were going to militarize the dinosaurs. Personally, I can't think of a dumber idea. And people hate this idea. People fucking hate the volcano idea. They loved the military idea. I think the military idea is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's so stupid. It's such a terrible idea. To me, it sounds like one thing and one thing only, and that is sharks with frickin' laser beams attached to their heads. That's what I think of when I hear of militarizing dinosaurs. What a stupid idea. I know movies are supposed to be fun, and they're supposed to be original and all that, but that is an idiotic idea, in my opinion. I hate it. I like the volcano idea a lot more, the idea of conservation, because it relates so much more to what's going on in actual life, the relationship between man and animal. So I like that. Uh, I like the conservation thing. I, I like... I like that the characters are going to be put in a situation where they don't want to murder all the dinosaurs, but they want to save them. I like that idea. Uh, I, I basically like pretty much the whole synopsis of the movie. I like the gist of it. I, I really like where they're headed. Uh, I, I wasn't huge on Jurassic World, but I do like it. And I think J.A. Bayona can return this franchise to form because he's, he's a dark director deals with very dark themes i'm not familiar with a ton of his work but the impossible was really good uh, he i didn't see the orphanage but i i bought a monster calls the day it came out and i watched it and that is a fantastic movie but the rewatchability is not high for me on that movie because it's just like it, it deals with probably the saddest themes i've ever seen in a movie that movie will <laughs> it's a heart-wrenching movie incredibly sad go out and see it because it is a fantastic uh movie it's crazy good liam neeson voices the monster uh and it's not a monster movie i'll i'll tell you that right now if you're going to see it imagining a monster movie maybe maybe skip it because it's it's not a monster movie it's such a such a contained story about a mom and his and her son and that's all i'll give away about the movie it is just it's a heart-wrenching it's a heart-wrenching experience watching the movie you won't be the same watching that movie after you watch that movie but yeah it's like i said it's great and i think jay bayona dealing with those dark themes because jurassic park had some dark themes jurassic world not so much i didn't think so i think he's the man for the job i really like i really like what he's doing and he, he brought back Jeff Goldblum as Dr. Ian Malcolm, which I'm totally on board with. Unbelievable. Life uh, 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 finds a way. Totally cool with that. Hopefully Laura Dern and Sam Neill, Ellie Sattler and Dr. Alan Grant ride again. That would be sweet. Um, it, Sam Neill's more of a, a very, very... Uh, it, it's a large rumor that Sam Neill will return, but Laura Dern, it seems a little bit it, quite 50-50, in my opinion, from what I've heard her say and things like that. I think she's going to show up in this movie, but no one knows it. That's what I think, which I'm totally on board with. Hopefully they can bring the franchise back to form because Jurassic Park is the greatest movie of all time, and that's my number eight. Number seven, coming out in December, directed by James Wan, 
Aquaman. I'll also get this out of the way. Very first episode of Egomaniac Movies Podcast. Aquaman is my favorite comic book character of all time. He's a total badass. He gets made fun of, which I totally get. It's well-founded. But he's a badass. I like the casting of Jason Momoa. A lot of people didn't like it because he doesn't have the Aquaman look, which who gives a shit in my opinion he looks like a surfer dude who loves the water and he is a surfer dude who loves the water from my knowledge so i'm totally cool with that amber heard is mira who's probably more of a badass than aquaman if you read if you if you're not familiar with aquaman and you read comics or you're looking into getting into comics check out the new 52 the jeff johns run of aquaman or at least the first issue pick up the trade paperback it's called the trench killer unbelievable Check that out if you're not sure about Aquaman being a total badass. Patrick Wilson, who I think is one of the most underrated actors in Hollywood, uh, he plays Orm, who is Aquaman's brother. Now, these names will mean nothing to you if you don't read Aquaman comics, which is fine. Uh, I don't know much about the story. I like James Wan's direction. Uh, We know what he can do with horror, and he's so good at the dark stuff, especially without gore he can do that too but he's he's so good at he's just so good at darkness and scary like go back and watch the conjuring tell me how many people die in the conjuring none no one dies in the conjuring they kill a dog they always kill the fucking dog in a horror movie for whatever reason no one dies in that movie and it's rated r for terror no swearing there's no nudity it's rated r because it's so scary and not a person dies in the entire movie i mean that's talent right there if you're the director of that film patrick wilson was amazing in that so good in insidious i i I really like the entire cast of this movie i know willem defoe's in it i'm pretty sure he plays volko again that name will mean absolutely nothing to you if you don't if you're not familiar with the aquaman comics but yeah really looking forward to this one I think it's going to be special. I think it's going to be tied with Wonder Woman as the best movie in the DC franchise. I'm calling it right now. I'm hoping at least. I mean, that's 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 a pretty big standard because Wonder Woman was fantastic. I don't think it was as good as everyone said it was. And I'm sure that's not politically correct to say. I think it was... A little overrated because of the message it had. You know, the strong female character, which I'm totally cool with. But I do think it got it, it got a little overrated because of that. But I did love the movie. Aquaman. Number seven on my list. Number six, Solo, a Star Wars story. Coming out in May. Now, this was originally directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller. And whatever happened, I don't know. I wasn't in the room. What I got from it is them and Kathleen Kennedy did not see eye to eye on the vision of the film. What I heard was they saw it more of a comedy. She didn't. Which is totally fine in my opinion. They they split ways. And they brought in Ron Howard to direct. Which, I mean, if you doubt Ron Howard, go watch one movie and that's Apollo 13. Not just because it's in space, because it's a fantastic movie. Ron Howard knows what he's doing. Even the movies that people think are terrible, I love. I love The Grinch with Jim Carrey. The movie's phenomenal. I love it. Uh, A lot of people hate on it, but I'm standing with my man Jim and my boy Ron. 
totally cool with that movie. Love this choice to replace Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Uh, it's starring Alden Ironrick. Probably not saying that last name right. It's weird. I don't like it. Uh, Amelia Clark. Woody Harrelson. Um, I'm assuming he plays like a type of scoundrel role, which I'm totally down with because I think he's like, come on, scoundrel and Woody Harrelson. They're like two peas in a pod. It's brilliant. Donald Glover as a young Lando Calrissian. Now, he's got a great look for that. I like the look he's got. I think that'll work. We haven't, we didn't get much in the trailer. And that's why this movie's at number six. Because of all the controversy and because of the trailer, we didn't get much. I liked it. Millennium Falcon rides again. Amelia Clark, I'm really intrigued to see what her character's like. I mean, I, I heard a lot of people were pissed off about her casting. I I don't know why. They're, they're saying, oh, Star Wars fans are threatened by women. Now, I mean, maybe some are, but that's a pretty that's a pretty serious accusation for all Star Wars fans. I mean, come on. I think that's crazy, but that's the world we live in today. But I, I personally am excited for her casting. I'm really interested to see what kind of character they've given her. Hopefully a good one. And yeah, number six, Solo, a Star Wars story. I mean, it's Star Wars, so it had to be on the list. Number five. Avengers Infinity War coming out in May. Now, this one's a lot higher on most people's list. It's not that high on my list. Well, it's still pretty high on my list. I mean, number five, that's pretty high. But I'm getting tired of it. And it's as simple as that. People seem to forget, like when the trailer came out, everyone was going all nuts about it. But people seem to forget that the second Avengers movie was shit. I mean, it, it wasn't... It wasn't terrible, I guess, but it wasn't great. It was Avengers all over again. Except, like, Ultron was okay. It was kind of a weak villain. James Spader did a really good job as the voice. But other than that, like, it, when uh, Quicksilver died. Spoiler alert, sorry. If you haven't seen the movie, Quicksilver dies. Did anyone feel an ounce of emotion when that happened in the theater? I didn't. He was totally expendable. 100% expendable. You knew when they were coming in the movie, or I did at least, that either Quicksilver or Scarlet Witch was going to bite the bullet. And it was probably going to be Quicksilver because Scarlet Witch is powerful. And, you know, she's a female character. In reality. Like, that, I'm, that's not an insult. I like Scarlet Witch a lot more than Quicksilver character. But, like, who cared when he died? It didn't matter, in my opinion. I th- And the whole movie... They set they set up Hawkeye to die. That's what I thought, at least. And then he didn't. I was kind of disappointed. You know, I was kinda like, fuck it. Why, why didn't they kill Hawkeye and Quicksilver? That would have been beautiful. But yeah, I, you know, Avengers Infinity War. Uh, Civil War wasn't as good as I, I didn't think it was as good as everyone else thought it was. I liked it for sure. I would have given it an easy 7.5 out of 10. But everyone else talked like it was, you know, fucking greatest marvel no not even close in my opinion i'm tired of captain america he bores me iron man totally cool i wanted him to kill captain america at the end of that movie so i was so disappointed i thought you know murder captain america fresh start for the next avengers movie beautiful they didn't do that you know so that's why it's number five and not number one uh the only reason it's this high to tell you the truth is because i'm interested to see the dynamic between the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm really interested to see how they interact with each other. That's about the only reason this is this high. 
directed by the Russo brothers, who I trust in this universe. I mean, they are they're great at working with the MCU. They know what they're doing. They're not dummies. I mean, you know, this movie is starring everyone. I'm not even going to make a list because literally everyone in Hollywood is in this movie. And yeah, it's number five for those various reasons I just said. I don't think the MCU, as far as the Avengers goes, is getting any better. I don't think it's gotten any better. And I think the only reason Civil War was as successful as it was critically and uh, money-wise was because they were smart enough to include Ant-Man and Black Panther. That's why That's why I think it was so good. I think the airport sequence was everybody's favorite. Oh, and Spider-Man as well. Uh, the airport sequence was everybody's favorite, and that included the people I just mentioned. That was the most exciting part of the movie because Spider-Man was in it, because Ant-Man went huge, and because, you know, Black Panther was there too. Everyone else, in my opinion, is starting to get a little, a little flat. That's how I'll say it, a little flat. So, yeah, number five, Avengers Infinity War. Don't mean to hate on it. I am looking forward to it, but not as much as everyone else is. Number four, coming out in June, we've been waiting a long time, The Incredibles 2. The first Incredibles is still, to this day, the best Fantastic Four movie we've, we've got by far. The Incredibles 2 will probably either be the best or the second best Fantastic Four movie we've got to date. Knock on wood. I think it'll be good. I mean, Brad Bird, The Iron Giant, The Incredibles, Ratatouille. The guy is the king of animation, especially when it comes to Disney Pixar. He's crazy good. And basically what I've gotten from the trailer, I really like the teaser trailer and I really like the, the full... I don't, I don't know if it was a f- considered a full trailer, but the trailer that came out a couple of days ago. I really like that. And I, re- I really liked it for the main reason that the hero is Elastigirl. That's what I'm getting from it, at least. The movie takes place directly after the first one, where the Underminers have come. Uh, And and the interesting thing that I find is that Syndrome knew that Jack-Jack had powers, but the Pars, the Incredibles, didn't. They didn't see that. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they interact with Jack-Jack now that he's got these crazy powers and shit. That's going to be cool. Really looking forward to that. Um, Bob, Mr. Incredible state is like a kind of a stay at home dad, Mr. Mom type guy in this movie, I think, which I'm really looking forward to that dynamic. Elastigirl deserves a movie. As far as I'm concerned, she deserves to be a hero in the movie. Uh, yeah. Couldn't be looking forward to this one more. Well, I could be looking forward to it more, I guess three spots worth, but number four is nothing to shake a stick at on my list. Uh, really looking forward to it. Disney Pixar barely fuck up. And when they do, it's so minuscule. It's not a screw-up, in my opinion. I mean, my least favorite movie in Disney Pixar is probably The Good Dinosaur, and I own it on Blu-ray. I bought it the day it came out and saw it in the theater. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's not a failure because I still like the movie. It's just I think it was leaning a lot more towards kids than family. And that's that's basically the gist of why I think that's their worst movie. But it's it's not going to be the worst movie on it, it, worst and the good dinosaur other than when it pertains to disney pixar is never going to be uttered in the same sentence from me at least i don't think it's a bad movie it's just my least favorite disney pixar movie so yeah incredibles too i mean you got to trust disney pixar especially when brad bird's at the helm so yeah number four the incredibles too. number three 
Another animated movie. Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Directed by Rich Moore and Phil Johnson, and I'm pretty sure both those guys had credits, some type of credits, whether it had been acting, producing, directing, on Zootopia, which was my number one movie the year it came out. Not my number one animation movie, my number one movie. I thought that movie was brilliant. I, it's one of the few movies I've went to the theaters multiple times to see. I don't go to the theater multiple times to see one movie a lot because the theater is expensive and I am not liquid. Uh, so, yeah, down with those two guys. Especially Rich Moore, I love his voice. When he does a character in a movie, like he'll, he'll always do a bit part in all of his movies. And I just, he's got such a great voice. I wish he'd do a starring role in an animated feature because I think that would work really well. But starring John C. Riley, of course, and Sarah Silverman as Ralph and Vanellope. Now, we haven't seen a trailer for this yet, but apparently at D23, now for those of you guys who don't know, D23 is kind of like, it, I, I relate it to Comic-Con. It's basically Comic-Con just for Disney, and it only happens once every two years. And they release all types of footage. I think you... I don't know if the public is allowed in D23. I don't think so. I think you kind of have to be in the industry one way or another. So, yeah, that's D23, and apparently some short D23 footage that was released of this movie featured the Disney princesses and Ralph interacting with each other. And apparently that alone, it's like a two-minute clip, and it's enough to sell the movie on its own. Apparently it was amazing, like hilarious. So that I'm looking forward to. I really like this idea of him and the internet. I thought they'd go down the video game route again. That's just what I thought. But I really like that they did this. Ralph Ralph is in the internet somehow and causing some shit. So yeah. Like, really looking forward to that one. I loved the first one. I thought it was so good. The soundtrack is so underrated. Done by Henry Jackman. Such a good soundtrack. And yeah, Wreck-It Ralph 2, guys, my number three. Now, let's get in to the meat, the cheese, the juice that is the top two. Now, these switched very recently. I'm really looking forward to them both, but I had to put... My original number two at number one because nothing touches this one, actually. As to my most anticipated movie, nothing touches it. So let's get into number two before we get into that. And my number two, coming out in July, is Ant-Man and the Wasp. Directed by Peyton Reed, starring Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly. Apparently Michelle Pfeiffer shows up. We'll get into that in a second. I love the first Ant-Man. I loved it. And I think the reason I liked it so much is because... One reason, it was funny. It was fun. Same reason I love Thor Ragnarok. It was fun. If you're not going to raise the stakes, and by that I mean if some people aren't going to get killed. I mean, you, in the like how many movies have we gone through the MCU without any real danger done to our heroes? And Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just my personal opinion. They had to raise the stakes. And you can do that one of two ways. You can either make it a lot more lighthearted and fun, which I think they did. It was two genres in one. It was a heist movie and a superhero movie. Or you can start killing people. We need to experience some type of loss for us to feel like the characters are in any type of danger, in my opinion. And, you know, I I actually prefer the fun way. Like Thor Ragnarok. Perfect movie. Perfect. Great soundtrack. Just like Ant-Man actually had a good good score and soundtrack. And 
they're they're doing such a good job of casting like Michael Pena. I mean, come on, that guy. That guy can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned, Michael Pena. And we got Evangeline Lilly now as the Wasp, which I'm super excited to see. I was hoping we'd see that in the first movie. I was hoping we'd get a glimpse, but we didn't, unfortunately. So I'm really looking forward to that. She was like, she was by far the best part of the three Hobbit movies. She was only in two of them, but she was the best parts of those movies. And I actually like the Hobbit movies, but she was by far, in my opinion, the best part as Tariel the Elf. She was total badass. Her entrance scene in... Uh, Desolation of Smog, come on. That was ridiculous. That was awesome. The first trailer of this movie was fantastic, I thought. It it didn't give anything about the plot away, in my opinion. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer allegedly comes back as Janet Van Dyne from the Quantum Realm, which I don't know how they're going to do that. But like I said, the trailer gave nothing away. The only reason you know that is because you looked at the cast listing and you saw Michelle Pfeiffer's name. Um... So I love that. I love that this trailer is not giving much away. Uh, Peyton Reed, I thought, did such a good job with the first one. I know everyone said, like, oh, I was curious to see Edgar Wright's version. Because Edgar Wright, creative differences, once again, didn't work on the film. And me personally, yeah, Edgar Wright's version, I'm curious to see what his vision was. But at the same time, I don't really care because I like Peyton Reed's vision so much. I don't really care about Edgar Wright's version anymore. And that's not an insult to Edgar Wright at all. I think he's a tremendous filmmaker. But I I liked Ant-Man so much. Why change it? Uh, I mean, it was fine the way it was. Love it. Super excited for this movie. Can't wait to see the Wasp and Ant-Man interact, finally. Yeah, that's my number two, guys. Ant-Man and the Wasp coming out in July. Number one. My number one most anticipated movie of 2018, coming out in March, directed by the greatest filmmaker of all time, in my opinion, Sir Steven Spielberg, Ready Player One. I don't know if I've ever been so excited to see a movie in my life, other than Ready Player One. Now, main reason being, I read the book recently, and the book is a fucking nerd Bible. If you're a geek, which I'm assuming you are, you're listening to an all-movie podcast, I'm, assu- I'm sure you're some type of nerd. Read this book if you haven't. It's so amazing. So full with 80s nostalgia. And, you know, I didn't grow up in the 80s, but I love the 80s. It- it's filled with 80s nostalgia and just geekdom. This thing is brilliant. It's like I said, it's the nerd Bible, in my opinion. You got to read this book. Ernest Klein, the world he created, is so brilliant. And after I read the book, I just put it down and I go, of course they got Steven Spielberg to do this. Of course they got Steven Spielberg to do this. It makes perfect sense. I, I, I'm really looking forward to his vision. It's starring Ty Sheridan. Um, now, if you're not familiar with Ty Sheridan, he's in some of the X-Men movies. But if you want to get a taste of what this kid can do, watch Joe. Watch the movie Joe with Nicolas Cage. It's in... I live in Ontario, Canada, and it's in the cheap bin at Walmart here. So maybe check your cheap bin wherever you are. It's probably in there. Pick it up. You you might not watch it more than once, but once will be enough because this movie will make an impact on you. It's crazy good. Anyone who makes fun of Nicolas Cage should watch this movie if they haven't because Nicolas Cage should have been nominated for this movie. Big time should have been nominated. So, yeah, that's Ty Sheridan. Check him out in Joe if you if you want to get a better look at him. Olivia Cook, and I know Olivia Cook from Bates Motel. I don't know her from much else, but she's fantastic in Bates Motel as Emma. 
I uh, really like her in that, so I'm looking forward to see when, what she does here. She plays Artemis, and uh, Ty Sheridan plays Parzival. If you haven't read the book, those names mean absolutely nothing to you. Ben Mendelsohn plays Nolan Sorrento, who, spoiler alert, he's the villain. Uh, I, I love Ben Mendelsohn's work. I think I, I, I'm a little worried he's getting typecast in the villain role. He was director Orson Krennic in Rogue One. Uh I think he's got a lot more to offer than that. He's a really interesting. That's that's how I describe his acting performances. Is interesting. He was he played a small little role in the Place Beyond the Pines with Ryan Gosling and uh, Bradley Cooper. He played a character named Robin, I think. And it's just a he's a really he he can play the everyman, you know, but like the not so good everyman. It's hard to explain. It's hard to put it into words, but. He's a he's a huge talent, I think, and I just hope he's not getting typecast in these villain roles. But, you know, I, I am having said all that, I'm super glad they cast him as the villain in this movie because I think he's just going to elevate the movie to the, you know, to whatever next level it can reach. Now, the trailers have been off the hook; they've been unbelievable. Uh, I love the look of the Oasis. I think it looks great. If you haven't checked the trailers out, check them out. And the one thing I will say about the trailers, they've included Jump by Van Halen, Tom Sawyer by Rush, The Holy Triumvirate, Exit the Warrior, Today's Tom Sai, and Take On Me by Aha. I mean, is that not shaping up to be one of the greatest soundtracks of all time? I love it. And there's a part in the book I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a part in the book. If you if you love Rush, you're going to go insane at this part in the book. You're going to go nuts. I hope it's in the movie. I don't think it will be, and that's fine. But yeah, read the book, like I said, if you haven't. And the latest trailer included Come With Me. It, no, sorry. The trailer is called Come With Me, and it's called that because uh, the song, to my knowledge, is called that because uh, the background song is pure imagination from Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory with a slightly different, uh, slightly different melody to it. And that trailer was unbelievable. And the one thing I noticed about it, and if you check out this trailer, watch it carefully because it, it goes by in like a couple milliseconds. It's not even a second long, but there is the T-Rex from Jurassic park chasing a monster truck. I mean, it, Two milliseconds, I'm sold on the movie. T-Rex from Jurassic Park chasing a monster truck. Come on. Get real, guys. This movie's going to be tremendous. I cannot wait for it. Steven Spielberg, the man, the legend, directing it. I mean, I, I, I'm speechless. I don't know what else to say about this movie. I'm so excited for it. I, like I said earlier, I've probably never been this excited for a movie in my life, other than Jurassic World, and that was, you know, as much as I built it up it was pro- it was a huge disappointment because i built it up so much it's not the movie's fault it's my fault this movie can almost not live up to my expectations because i i expect so much from it and that's okay if it lives up to half my expectations if it's just a fun action movie if it's fun done i'm sold it's not going to be the same as the book you can sit and tell that by just looking, just watching the trailers. You know it's not going to be the same as the book. And it can't be the same as the book. You can't put a 520-page book, or however many pages it is, I'm not sure. You can't put a 500-roughly-page book 
into a two-hour movie. You just can't do it. You can't fit it all. But Steven Spielberg knows story. He knows what to leave in. He knows what to take out. I trust him 100%. I cannot wait for this movie. I cannot wait for it. The soundtrack, everything. So excited for it, guys. That's my top 10 list. If you stuck with me till the bitter end, I can't appreciate it more. I can't thank you more. Uh, Subscribe, like, do whatever you have to. This is my first podcast ever. I plan on getting better. So stick with me, guys. Uh, I got a lot of ideas. I'm going to bring a ton of guests on, I'm hoping. A lot of my buddies who are really smart, funny guys, and they love movies just like me and you. It's going to be so much fun. I couldn't be more excited for this podcast. I couldn't be more excited for these movies I've talked about today. Thank you so much again for listening. Take care, guys. And remember, Finkel is Einhorn.